Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Uh, you can watch John McLaughlin and touch yourself. <laughs> I love that you said that just after Brett Fress record. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's that's the, um, I'm the first or last line of the pod sorted for this week then. <laughs> <laughs> John touches himself over John McLaughlin. I was saying, John, I'm not quite sure how I'm actually going to start a John McLaughlin debate in a pod that's got where he's playing all right and it's not a problem. So, if someone can just shoehorn it in at some point, it'd be quite helpful. All right. Yeah, I'll find a way. Right, we'll crack on with this, then we'll get it started. So everyone's good, yeah? I'm all right. I just I'm not bothered about talking about it, but I know now fancies an argument. He loves an argument, so he'll probably slip it in for no reason out of nowhere. Yeah, oh, if, if you, you started, you started whinging. You've literally been in the conversation for three minutes, and you've already <laughs> started whinging. Well, yeah. I mean, I'm in a group chat with you. Going to start whinging, aren't I? Oh, yeah, we'll go. Hello and welcome to the Road Report Exiles Extra podcast in association with Vaux Breweries. I'm Brett Lines-Davis from Milton Keynes and this week on the pod we're talking Fleetwood Town. We're looking ahead to Sunday's massive game v Coventry. Michael Dunn catches up with Ali Maxwell who writes for The Athletic. Uh, not on the, he's also on the Not The Top 20 pod and Quest. Also your branch news and of course playing away. This week, I'm joined by Chris Wynn in Sheffield. Chris, how you doing? I'm not too bad. Thanks, Brett. Yourself? Good, man. I'm very good, thank you, mate. I'm very good. I thought I'd actually introduce you first, um, because this might be the only time we hear from you today based on who else we've got on the pod. I appreciate that, mate. So if you've got anything to say now, it'd be a good sort of time to say it. <laughs> we've got uh, Niall Bromley from Blythe. Niall, how are you? I'm good, Brett. How are you? You all right, mate? Yeah, I'm good. Thank you, mate. All the better for hearing your voice. Um, and Aww. thankfully, he's pushed his haircut back so he can join us all the way from Lincoln. It's Lego Hairhead John Stacey. John, welcome to the show. Uh, good evening. That was a lovely introduction. I feel so positive and happy to be here. <laughs> Thank you for though, John. That I appreciate you. I tell you, mate. I, was, I appreciate him like moving his haircut back so he can be on us, like be, you know, join us today. So yeah, thank you, John. I, I, I just really fancied an evening happy clapping with Niall about how fantastic everything is. Well, I can't believe that you said you're feeling positive. I mean, are you are you all right? You want to get oh, your blood yeah. pressure checked yeah. or something? No, I'm fine. I'm buzzing, buzzing life. Oh, something funny's going on in the Stacey household. I'm scared. <laughs> yeah, well, maybe it's just being in, like in, enjoying an evening with you, mate. Oh, isn't that cute? Oh, bless him. <laughs> you won't be seeing that in an hour. <laughs> so, last night, uh, 
Fleetwood scored in the fifth minute, um, although they could have been two up by then. Uh, we rallied, had a lot of possession, struggled to really you know, have too many clear-cut chances. Thankfully, Max Power scored in what seemed like the 125th minute of added on time, um, which pretty much was down to Fleetwood's time-wasting to make it 1-1. Uh, Chris, I will come to you first um, and put the other two back, back in the box for a while. Uh, what was your overall thoughts about yesterday's game? I thought we were poor, mate. And I thought we kind of got out of jail at the end. We kind of put them under pressure and Fleetwood are a good team organised. Um, obviously with that, um, well, I don't want to I don't say too many uh, naughty words, but uh, with Joey Barton in charge, he has got them organised to be fair. But we've just got nothing to break teams down who, who like to defend and who were good at defending. We just haven't got the, I don't know whether it's, we're completely set up to defend. So when it comes to the to the final third, we just seem to, to run out of ideas and against the team that sits and, and really kind of puts us under pressure and says well come on break us down and we just can't seem to, to do that and in a few games we've been fortunate enough to to get the first goal I mean the, you know the likes of you know the Oxford away game and things like that like we, we kind of defend and then get the goal and then we're able to defend it but basically Fleetwood kind of did that to us and we, we didn't have enough to, to kind of really get at them and break them down and ended up with a, a kind of late goal which is brilliant and we, we kind of got something out of it but um, I think just the rest of the season is going to be full of games like that where we just need to dig in and try and get that goal and, and defend it, basically. It was difficult last night. I know it's like the first half, you know, it was at one point we were attacking and it just, it looked like we had to like a yellow wall to try and break down. And although we were passing around into like, you know, coming out of defence into midfield and then there was that that final, apart from the first, I think we like, um, McGuire hit the bar, but that was really the only shot that I could really think of. Um, I'll pass it over to Niall because obviously I know looks at the positives and everything. Um, no, what was your sort of impressions of you were there last night? So how did you feel the game went? <clears throat> I think Chris has, has hit it on nail on the head, really. I think uh, it was an erratic start, wasn't it? First sort of 15 minutes, we were all over the place. All over the place. Fleetwood, I'm not sure, you know, Joey Barton saying they got the ball down and played. It was it was a little bit more we let them play rather than them doing their own thing. We, we didn't really know what we were doing in the first 15. And, and, and they got the goal. If You know, most other teams in this league, if we play like that, they're not going to score in the first 15 minutes, especially at the stadium light, and we're going to get away with it, and we'll probably end up getting the, getting the three points. But yesterday, you know, it, it they, they scored a good goal. Barry Mackay, he's, you know, he's played in Nottingham Forest Rangers. He's he's got a, a pretty good head pedigree, and you could tell. And and he's you know he's drifted past Willis like he wasn't even there, and he's put it in the back of the net. And, and then they've literally time wasted from the fifth minute. I mean, you know, it's not even that's not even an exaggeration. I've I've never seen a team perform like that and you know it was literally every corner every throwing every time there was a there was a foul they were rolling on the floor it it was actually embarrassing um to to us to a great stage it was it got to the stage where you know it was hard to watch it was cringy watching the players rolling around the floor pretending they're injured and then as soon as the you know the players stop they're up they're fine and I know Wickham do it quite a lot, but they made Wickham look like an honest football team yesterday with the way that they did it. And I'm, I'm, and, and at the end, crucially, it's cost them because that's where they got the six minutes from. And they had, they then started time wasting in the six minutes, which we got the extra minute from. And then uh, Powers went and scored the goal. So it was, you know, it was one of them games where we, from the first 50 minutes, I'll say we dominated. They never really had a chance to have one in the second half where McGotland parried it, but. Apart from that, they didn't really have a, a standout chance other than the goal. So I, I think possession-wise, and yeah, we, we we dominated the game. And for you know, Joey Barton saying we're playing the long ball game, they actually had 
20% more long balls than us. So that was a bit of a strange one. But it was a it was a, a strange game against an organised team, as Chris said, and, and we managed to come away with a point. And, um, you know, luckily we didn't we didn't lose the game and that's the main thing. So the answer, you know, the question really then, obviously scoring goals, we seem to have games where, you know, we got three at the weekend. Obviously it was, again, you know, they'd been down to 10 men. Our fitness levels seem to be really, really high. Um, we do seem to get a lot of late goals, but it seems to be sort of feast or famine. Like yesterday, we really struggled to break a team down. You know, Wickham we beat 4-0. Um, I say on Saturday we won 3-0. It's the answer. So when on days where we are struggling, it's a really simple question. You know, is the answer Lafferty to, you know, to come on or is it something else? Is there something else that, that we can do, um, you know, to change things around, you know, even like formations-wise? You know, um, John, I've not heard from you yet. Um, obviously, you, you, know, you saw the last sort of, 10 minutes of the game yesterday. But, you know, going forward... What's your answer for us? You know, for them games where we are struggling to break people down. Um, I think I think we can speculate forever, and I'm getting a little bit sick of speculating. If I'm honest, I know we talk a lot about Lafferty coming in for White because he has he's, his form's been really bad and and very inconsistent. And I know we talk about kind of other areas where you get players who rely on a lot going off the boil, and and, and we've brought in Semenya, we've got Josh going, we've got um, even like you know with Hume last night looking like he was injured towards the end and things like that, like bring Declan John in. But we all know that Parky's going to try and stick to that eleven, and um, and there's good reason behind that. You can't knock it. We're doing well, um, but you've you've hit the nail on the head to a point where fitness will get you through. Um, where we're relentlessly um, good at building up play and going forward against teams that are going to be easy to break down and eventually will score or get the breakthrough with Bristol Rovers. They went down to 10 men. They couldn't do it anymore, what they were doing, for an example. But against the better teams, the Fleetwoods, the Portsmouths, the, um, you know, hopefully not, but the Coventry at the weekend and, and kind of the, the, the sort of title rivals, I guess, or the promotion rivals. Um, yeah, you, you're kind of right. Like, what's the plan B? What's the sort of, like, other option? And if it's going to mean... Uh, just touching on what Chris said, if it's going to mean that, like... Um, these these games mean a lot. These 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 sort of run-ins with the, with the top end. Um, it is kind of concerning that we seem to blow other teams away, um, some in some way, shape, or form, and then the top end we sort of capitulate out of nowhere. We look nervous at times. We struggle to have that cutting edge at the end. Um, and yeah, all right. Parky changed it dramatically towards the end last night. I did see the as the subs come on and, and kind of saw the highlights with all that happening and everybody was talking about the weird formation he ended up with, but he's seemed reluctant to do that earlier. Um, and it just, it, all it'll take is something quite, uh, I, I don't know, would it would it derail the whole season if if someone sort of, perhaps a Coventry, perhaps like even Gillingham, you know, in the next few weeks, got, got hold of that sort of mentality and, and kind of like, broke us down a bit more strongly to a point where we're 1-2-0 down and he's not made any changes by the 70th minute and we haven't got that chance to do the last gasp sort of comeback. And I don't know, it's slightly worried. I'm actually more positive than I am usually am about all of this, but at the same time, you've made a very valid point that, you know, it's it's kind of, there isn't much, there isn't much to sort of fall back on. And I know we've said this a lot recently, but... Um, we can talk all day and all night about bring Lafferty on, you know, give Gooch a rest, all that kind of thing, bring Semenyo in, whatever. Parky isn't going to do it unless he's got, unless he's absolutely forced to. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if that's really answered any of the questions, to be honest. Just, wait, just, just quickly, John, sorry, can I just come in? Um, when you said there about 
uh, you know, can someone like Gillingham or or company at the weekend come in and break us down? Can you can you see us getting broken down? Because for me personally, I, I know I've said that famous line for me first you know, but the you know I don't see them getting broken down anytime soon. They look they look solid. I know yesterday the goal wasn't great, and but it was in the first five minutes, and after that they did look solid, and Fleetwood never looked like scoring. So I think that half of the field, I I, I can't see us getting broken down. Well, if I'm being honest, well the thing is the thing is. Uh... For all of right, so let's let's. I'm going to break it down into chunks, right? Basically, the last sort of five or six games, I'll agree with you that we are more solid than we have been at the back, right? More solid. I still see every game in the past five or six, even with the cliche, even with the clean sheets we've been having and all the kind of like uh, much better performances. Without trying to sound too sort of down in the dumps about it all, there's still mistakes being made. There's still really basic errors where, um, you know, it's every man for itself, everybody clambering over. There's four or five men around one bloke and somehow out of nowhere he gets a cross away, things like that. And I'm just literally like, it, it does sound like I'm clutching at straws for negatives. I, I get it. You know, I'm, I'm going to relate to people thinking that. But at the same time, my, perspe- my perspective of, you know, someone being able to get a couple of goals past us is based on that happening more than once. You know, it happened once last night and then we rode our luck because it didn't really happen again. But, I, I mean, when I switched it on last night, it was about 70-odd minutes. And the first thing I saw was a couple of crosses flying in and everybody flapping around. And it's like, if I've if we're 1-0 down, and yeah, I've not seen the 50-odd minutes of us dominating before the 70th, but that's what I see when I turn on. I'm going to be worrying when I've seen that across the five or six games that we have been winning, but kind of stronger at the back, but fluky at times. Do you know what I mean? It's, yeah. Well, it's and I, but that's, that's the level we're at, though. I mean, at the end of the day... Aye, like... we, can't, we can't keep saying, oh, it's League One. That's what it's like. But it is. Right, but it is. Yeah, we can keep saying that all the time, but it's fundamentals. It's like you don't see every team doing that, like genuinely. Like I've, we've played against teams where they don't make those mistakes. We've played against teams in this league that don't aren't making the same mistakes. We it's are. rare. It's rare, John. Uh, honestly, it's. I've. I mean, you have as well. I'm not. You know. I. I, I think it is rare. I, there's always defensive mistakes happen at happen at this level. I've, virtually every game, you, you see something or somewhere. You know, even even our equaliser last night, Fleetwood had chances to clear and didn't. You know what I mean? Like it's there. There is defensive mistakes. I think if if everyone was perfect and nobody was making these mistakes, I'm sorry, but they wouldn't be playing League One football, mate. That's just my opinion. But I don't think they would. I think with what we've got and where we are, and consider how many clean sheets we've kept over the last sort of 15 games, it's remarkable for me. And and I don't think there's there's much change in there. I know what you're saying. It it is frustrating, but. I am I am happy with that. Like I'm genuinely like on the same side as you with that. I'm absolutely buzzing with how well it's gone and how we performed and like with regards to certainly being stronger at the back and the clean sheets coming out and stuff like that. And you know, I'm certainly not sat here going, oh, you know, it's still horrific. It needs to be 100% perfect. I'm not. I'm not asking for perfection. I'm all I'm basically saying is with that still uh, potential with that potential that that could happen and us having a fairly tough run in i've got a concern that there might there might be quite a lot of people quite a lot of fans sat at home quite sort of confident that we're just going to blow everybody away and i think we've got to have a bit of realism it is league one we're not perfect and actually um you know beyond that i don't think there is an answer i don't think there's a plan b to if something does go wrong if there is a bit of a situation where we ship a couple of goals you know it doesn't seem like we've got a We've got a backup plan, except for chuck loads of men on yeah. towards well, the end and hope for the best. You've just called out my my concern about the run in that. If you look <laughs> look at these past few games, 
I mean, if you actually look at the performances, uh, I mean, even Bristol Rovers, I mean, you just look at the results, right, we'll beat them 3-0, you go, all right, brilliant, we're, we're kind of hammering teams. But I mean, until we got that opening goal, that was a slog. And if you look at the opening goal, I mean, you know, it was shown tons of times on online and social media from the club that, you know, when McLaughlin rolled it out and we started that move and then Gooch finished, finished it off. But you look at Brist- Bristol Rovers were absolutely knackered. And through yeah. that whole move, he didn't even put in one challenge. Yeah. And, but and what I'm saying is, I mean, you look at the last team, the last really good team we came up against because Ipswich had dropped like a stone um, were Portsmouth. And Portsmouth did us. Um, Portsmouth did us 2-0 at their place at the beginning of the month. And since then, I mean, yeah, we are tight at the back and we don't give that much away. But when we do give something away, the, the strike forces we've come up against since then have got absolutely nothing. I mean, mm. those teams we've played, I mean, your Rochdales, your Bristol Rovers. I mean, Oxford was just a, I mean, that was a terrible game. It was just an awful slugfest with two teams. Trying, whoever scored first was going to win that game. Um, you know, and, and that's what it's going to be like for for. The, the running and as you said it we've got we're going to play some decent teams in the running and mm-hmm. we are tight at the back but if we don't get that first goal there's always a chance that one of these teams have got a set piece in them where you know that you know they get a daft deflection at the back post or the, the winner header of six, six yards out and they're going to get that lead yeah and we problem is we can't break teams down That's with, the it, tactics the... with the tactics we've got we can't we can't seem to get the goals we need unless yeah. and, and it's getting that balance right between keeping it tight as we have at the back mm. but being better going forward and, and being more ruthless going forward and, and getting the goals that's going to not just get us a playoff place but, but actually get us in that in that top two I think I think you, the Portsmouth game is the barometer really because like that game we for all of the fact that they got the two goals and what have you and arguably the goals should have been defended better etc etc everything that we were doing was as good as it has been against all the other teams we just didn't have the cutting edge and they knew how to stop us going forward and you could hit the nail on the head it's about balance you know if we are going to make mistakes because it's League One, we need to be reliant that we're going to get one or two goals. And we've had so many chances, so many good moves recently. And it's great to sit here and go, we're playing great football. But And I know all the other pods and all the other people have been talking about Wyke and, and, and not having a target man and relying on Maguire and Gooch. And we, we just haven't got, out of those three, you can't guarantee you're going to get a goal a game. I know it sounds ridiculous, but you can't guarantee you're going to get a goal a game. What you can guarantee is they're going to work bloody hard and they're going to try... They're going to link up play. They're going to bring other people into play. We're going to have lots of chances. But for some reason, we can't hit the net at the end of decent chances on a higher level than we should be. Like We probably score one well-worked goal every five games. The rest of them are fairly fluky or defensive mistakes on the other team's part or penalties or something. Do you know what I mean? It's like we need to, if we're playing better like we are and we're fitter than we are, we need to be breaking teams down and destroying them going forward, having that cutting edge so that we don't, so that we can be happy with our strong defence and making the odd mistake because they're League One. You know, it's about balance. So, yeah. yeah. I'm fairly certain Charlie Wake's in there just to defend corners. Yeah. Well, he doesn't even do that very well. Like, he's, he's crap in the air. But anyway. No, but one thing that I think as I got to sort of touch upon it was um, one thing that we seem to be a lot better of um, since sort of Parkinson's has come in it is, is the fitness levels, though. And there is, I don't know, it may just be me thinking this, but the way we are sort of like yesterday in particular with, with such a late goal and the players were, you know, they, the amount of like graft of effort that they were showing, it kind of reminded me quite a lot of when um, Keane was in charge where that team, again, wasn't the great, you know, in, in the championship, wasn't you know the greatest team in the world, but had a lot of workers who would, you know, run, you know, a marathon every single game, but still be fit enough 
to, to get late goals. Um, and for me, that's one thing is going to be our massive strength coming towards the end of the season is you know, how fit we actually are. And I think it's almost, almost like Parkinson wants to play teams to death. You know, we keep hold of the ball, pass it round, and then try and snatch it. It does feel like that's the way it's going. So moving forward then and looking um, to this Sunday's game, absolutely massive one um, against Coventry. Having got the point yesterday, really, it is must win. Um, Chris, for yourself, you know, obviously we know Parkinson's not to make, won't make too many changes, but... If you was in charge, would you be changing anything from who started yesterday? We don't need to go too much into why can Flanagan. I think we all want to change it. But maybe some at the back, Chris, would you be looking at making any changes? Probably. Like I made the point earlier on, you know, the only reason we, I can possibly think of why Wyke is in there is kind of <laughs> through defending corners or being half decent in the air. But like John said, he's, he hasn't even been that good at doing that. So I, I, at the minute, I can't see what we're getting out of having Wyke up, up front on his own isolated, miles away from anybody else, and then kind of, you know, Gooch and Maguire being being the main threat. So but it depends how he wants to, to play it because um I mean, don't get us wrong if if we beat Coventry, you know, that'll kind of put us level on points, even though they'll they'll still have a game in hand. But rather than and I kind of feel like I'm looking at it a little bit neg- negatively, but rather than a must win, I just think it's a we mustn't lose because that just that kind of keeps us in the mix and Coventry aren't pulling away and we're kind of we're just still within reach of Coventry and think we need to avoid defeat so with how tight he's been keeping it we obviously need that that element in place to, to come away with a result we don't want to go to Coventry and kind of go gung-ho but it depends what he wants to do going forward because is he happy with our current state of play where we kind of slug away until we get something or does he want to have a bit more of a game plan with either um, Lafferty up front as a as an alternative to White as a, as a target man, somebody to to make the ball stick and then play off him. For evidence on the last few games, Lafferty has to be a, a better option at doing that. Or does he want to go with a slightly different game plan and maybe play on the counter with a bit of pace and get Semenyo in there? I, I think either one of those options would be better than than sticking with White and trying to go with the same eleven. He, he mentioned that he thought quite quickly into last night's game that he should have actually made changes to the start and 11, kind of regretted that as the, as the game kicked off last night. So hopefully that's given him a bit of food for thought, but it's just go whatever game plan he needs to go in with Coventry. I, I just don't want to say, you know, same again, lads. It's just a bit of, you know, it's like, <laughs> it's just let's wing it, basically. Let's same 11, let's go, lads. You, you know, you know what you're doing, but it's kind of just hoping for the best going forward. And I just hope he's got a bit more of a game plan than that. John, yourself, obviously, you say about going forward. Um, what about the back? We've obviously last night we had uh, Flanagan, Willis, and Ozturk. Would them three stay for you? Would you bring Lynch back in? What would you do at the back? I think I think they're doing well enough, aren't they? I mean, and then Willis arguably was at fault for the goal, and um, but I think like Nile hit the nail on the head. Mackay's a, a decent player. Um, Willis's form this season has been amazing. So you know, arguably he's one of the best defenders in the league. And um, you know, is Tommy Smith fit to play? Is Lynch fit to play? Um, you've got Ozturk who has a mistake in him as yellow card in him but is Ozturk and we all love him we know what he's good at we know he'll do the job of uh, of that central role and he's, he's slotted in all right since Wright got since Baby Wright got injured and and he didn't do too bad before that to, to lose his place he didn't do anything wrong so yeah and then, and then Flanagan Flanagan's Flanagan and he's like he's he's he's, he's a he's a what's the word he's um he's kind of just 
you don't know what you're going to get from him and um you know he's he's class at one minute and then he's 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 kind of looks like he's strolling about can't really be asked to be there the next um but having said that i think he's really coming into uh he's really coming into his own with regards to um uh, that left hand side sort of working working with Hume a bit more and kind of looking at uh, looking at the link up play really well so yeah it's um it's promising it's promising i just think at the end of the day um he hasn't got much option to fiddle with it. Um, you know, he's he's remarked in the past, surprisingly, that Conor McLaughlin can play anywhere anywhere across the three. So if he's going to change anything, it sounds like he'd stick him in, which is quite worrying. So hopefully he sticks with the three. Cool. And uh, Niall, I'll have you have a quick shout. So, so for your thoughts for um, for Sunday, obviously, actually, I didn't mention that we had a behind-the-closed-doors friendly today. I don't know if you guys uh, heard about that, where he beat Carlisle 5-2 with... Um, Lafferty and Semenyo both get on the score sheet, as was uh, Josh Scowan, Will Grigg and uh, Benji. So, uh, yourself, Noel, are you making any changes for Saturday? Or Sunday, even? Um, I don't know. It's it's a difficult one. Uh, yeah, probably. I'm, I actually I agree with Chris, if I'm being honest. I, I think that um, it does need freshened up. And, uh, where you're freshening it up, I don't know. I, I wouldn't touch the I wouldn't touch the fence, to be fair. Like I said before, I think they're doing, they're doing a good job. Um, and again... Unbelievably, I, I agree with John as well. I think with Flanagan and with Oz too, you're right. They have got mistakes in them, but you know what you're getting with them. They're also they, they also do a good job in the same sense. Um, like I touched on before, I feel like at this level, everybody's capable of mistakes at the back. And fortunately, it hasn't affected us that much in recent weeks. So hopefully, that can stay that way. Um, but I don't know. I, I mean, George Dobson for me, he's been absolutely fantastic. And um, I mean. With him as well, he's. I mean, he. I don't know if you've seen his stats at the weekend. It was like a hundred percent pass rate and stuff like that. He's really busy. Uh, but you know, is he getting a bit tiresome? I mean, they brought him off last night. Maybe it's time for Scowen just to just to give Dobson maybe a bit of a rest potentially. I, I don't know. I think I think Parkinson, as Chris said, he, he he regretted the fact that he didn't change it up a bit straight into the game. So, I I think it will. I think he will make changes. I'd be very surprised if he didn't, but I don't think it'll be anything too drastic. I think there'll be one or two at the most. Okay. Well, let's get a prediction off everyone then for um, for Sunday's game. So, uh, Chris, what are you for? What's the score going to be? No, no. I think it's going to be a goalless draw. John, where are you sitting? I'll go with uh, I go. I, you took the words right out of my mouth, Chris. I was going to go with nil nil, but I think to be honest, if it's anything other than nil nil. It'll be a one nil, and it'll be whoever scores. The other team just won't be able to get the the equaliser. So yeah, I'll go with nil nil, almost for a positive reason. Because as Chris said, I think uh, this is a must not lose job. So and, and then Niall? three nil it was three nil. I think they'll they'll, <laughs> they'll come out. They'll come out all guns blazing, right? They'll they'll fly out of the traps. They'll not score. They'll get frustrated. They'll start fouling. We'll get a man sent off. We'll dominate, and Charlie White will score two, and Chris Maguire will get the third. I thought you were going to say Duncan Watmore hat trick or something then. Nah, nah. I drink nah. He, he actually four nil. Duncan Watmore come on and get the fourth four nil. Ah, oh, you, you're losing the plot, man. <laughs> right. I want to see you bet. Right. Yeah, we'll put Maddie on that one now. I think. <laughs> Right, so um, our man, uh, Michael Dunn, has caught up with the Not the Top 20 pods, Ali Maxwell, uh, to chat about Sunday's game against Coventry. Hello, I'm Michael Dunn, and I'm previewing our upcoming crunch game here with someone who may be familiar to some of you, uh, well-known for his uh, Not the Top 20 podcast and Going Up, Going Down podcast, Ali Maxwell. How are you, mate? 
I'm really well, Michael. How are you doing? Good. Just found out a couple of minutes ago you aren't actually a Coventry City fan. Um, no, but I know I know <laughs> plenty about them. They're a very interesting team, and I, I must admit, from a neutral perspective, I am absolutely buzzing about this game on Sunday. I cannot wait for it, honestly. Oh, mate, it should be a good one, but I'm not buzzing myself. I'm actually quite nervous. Um, but yeah, no, it should be a good one. Early kickoff as well. But um, anyway, she might as well get started. I suppose to start out, Ali. How are you thinking uh, Coventry are getting on this season? Unbeaten in 12 games, I think, sitting in second position with a game in hand. They're going fairly well, aren't they? Mate, they've done magnificently well, uh, to be honest. And there's a, a few reasons why uh, people didn't necessarily expect them to be this high in the table at this stage. Uh, a, a key factor pre-season, when we were thinking about Coventry in our previews, was... We really like the manager since he's taken charge of Coventry. They've pretty much been on on an upwards progression ever since. So he's clearly doing a fantastic job. He's built a he'd built an interesting squad that did okay last season, their first season back in League One after winning promotion through the playoffs from League Two. They 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 performed well but not spectacularly. And it was a squad of of, of decent players. It didn't necessarily leap off the page. And I think we kind of thought that there was a potential for a playoff push. One of the big things that held us back from anything more was, of course, that the game this weekend and all of their so-called home games have been played at St Andrews in Birmingham, which is not a million miles away from Coventry, but it's not Coventry and it's not their home stadium. So I think that was definitely uh, something that was quite concerning, how they would react to that, how would they cope with that, would the fans take to it, would the team take to it? And you have to say they've, they've done absolutely magnificently. Their home form all season has been fantastic. 10 wins, five draws and one defeat in their 16 games. Uh, and it's their, it's really their form since mid-October that's seen them rise towards the top of the table. Uh, ever since they changed formation to a three at the back formation, uh, similar but not exactly the same to how Sunderland themselves play. Um, yeah. they've, I mean, they've barely lost a game and it's, it's based on a very, very solid defence. Again, a bit like Sunderland, um, but they've got a lot of good ball players in midfield as well. So, uh, to answer the question, uh, uh, massively impressed, surprised at how good they are. But now that we're 32, 33 games in, there's no surprises. And it's certainly not, for me, a, a flash in the plan. I would I would have them, you know, one of my strong favourites for automatic promotion from, from here on in. Just one thing I've noticed, I was just looking, doing a bit of research before I got in touch with you, was that lately, especially, they're winning a lot of games by the odd goal. I just I saw that they'd be Fleetwood 2-1, 1-0 against Portsmouth. 2-1 against Bristol as well. And do you think the improvement in comparison to last season is more in the defence or maybe going forward? I know they have some really good attacking players like Shipley and, and Godden, but do, what do you think is the massive difference in comparison to last season? Yeah, I, I don't think they are, for the level, uh, an elite attacking team. I think they are an elite defensive team. So I would focus on the defence in terms of, uh, of pointing out their main strengths. Having said that, you know, the reason why they're winning these tight games is because going forward, they have improved as well. Uh, and they, they take their chances. Once they're ahead, they tend to stay ahead. And, and to be quite honest with you, there's a lot of teams at the top of League One who you could say that about. You, you point out that most of their wins are narrow wins. I mean, with all due respect to Sunderland, I think that's the case for, for a lot. Not, not all of their wins recently, but some we'll of the victories. Them. Yeah, um, certainly narrow wins. You could easily say the same for Rotherham, who have made a habit of scoring late winning goals who score a lot of goals from set pieces but general balance of play they're, they're not dominating football matches you could say the same 
for Portsmouth as well, for Fleetwood, who you guys played in midweek, that there isn't really a team other than Peterborough, who I'd say going forward are the absolute dog's bollocks. Uh, and yeah. it's actually a lot of the teams at the top. It's their defensive solidity that's really standing out at the moment. So I think defensively, top, top team for the level. Going forward, good, not amazing. I wouldn't mm. be surprised if, if you guys, you know, restrict them, keep them down to, to not too many clear-cut chances. But they've been good enough to, to win games. And that's what set them apart from a team, say, five, six places below them. Yeah, that's definitely the same with us anyway, since Parky's come in. Obviously, it took him a while, but the three at the back has really, really changed the way Sunderland have played. Uh, I was just, uh, you, you mentioned it there before. Um, I was just looking at this whole situation with St. Andrews this season. Um, how do you, like, what did, maybe for people who don't know, obviously, to play them in Birmingham City, um, have the fans been staying away or um, has it been like, has the attendance has been as strong as they were maybe with during the Rico Arena? No, and no, that, it's, it's, it's not it's not as strong as, as when they were at the Rico. Um, you know, you, you're asking people for whom this has been a, uh, you know, a way of life probably to walk to the stadium or get a short bus or a short drive, as, as you guys yeah. yourself, uh, a lot of home fans who will be local to the area. Um, it, it, it's a big thing when you move town. It's uh, it, it, it does have an impact. So um, attendances-wise, they have dropped pretty significantly. I think they're averaging about six or seven thousand uh last season you'd be looking at more like twelve thousand so pretty much fifty percent of what they had before uh it, it's it, it, it i think it's something that in the first few games i think the attendances were okay uh, as as people sort of tried it out tested it out enthusiasm yeah. I, i've been to i've been to their game a home game for them at st andrews this season uh it was a, a midweek game against fleetwood now fleetwood uh don't have a huge fan base they didn't bring many fans but it was honestly, it, it kind of felt like an under-23 game. And I think mm. that, you know, it, it, it was on paper as maybe seven, 8,000 there. But because the stadium is large or, or a good size, there are a lot of empty seats and it does have quite a strange feel to it. Now, what I would say is the Coventry fans, the ones who are there, they do make a good noise. So, uh, you know, when they've been playing well, that has, you know, they've really played their part in terms of helping to lift their team. But when it's been, you know, but it is also noticeable that, this isn't their home stadium. There aren't tons of fans packing the uh, packing the stands, and you know I, I'm I'm sure that Sunderland will take plenty. So I feel like in terms of fan noise, it it probably you know it, it could be that the Sunderland fans are are making more noise than the commentary fans this week that uh, this weekend. They they certainly have suffered a little bit in that regard, just because people can't get to the games or they feel like they don't want to normalise this. They don't want this to become their reality and they want to make sure that the club gets back to Coventry whether that's realistic or no or, or not it, it's hard to say because there's a lot of politics involved and rather boringly as with so many things in football uh, it's people who don't really have any passion for the club or any stake in the club or for their fans who are making the decisions at the moment and that's what's keeping them away Sure, yeah I agree and I was actually I was at the Coventry game last season in the Rico Arena against Sunderland I have to say it was probably one of the best away days all season yeah. Um, and, and there's always a bit of needle between Sutherland and Coventry fans going back a few years, but yeah. it was actually it was a good um, it was definitely a good day out, and it's 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 terrible to see when um, teams like this can't even play in their own stadium. And oh. just as like you said it there, do you think there's even do you think there's a chance they might be back in the Rico next year, or is that all up in the air? I I don't know, uh, and I wouldn't I wouldn't sort of try and make a guess. There, there's a yeah, lot of yeah. 
there's a lot of nuance to the reasons behind it that I'm just not an expert in. I know yeah, that there's right. there's there's a few different parties involved. It, it's the people that own Coventry, but it's also to do with the council. It's also, yeah. it's also to do with uh, Wasps rugby team who play sure. uh, yeah. at the Rico. And over time, those three parties have, have really struggled to find common ground. Wow. And, and it's Coventry City, bizarrely for me, that have suffered out of that. So uh, yeah. I, I, I'm sure that there's tons of people working towards moving it back. But as I said earlier, tediously and frustratingly, you know, so much bureaucracy and, and so much stuff that doesn't seem related to football uh, it is kind of the reason behind it. And that makes it hard for me to predict, you know, what yeah. will happen. Well, hopefully, I say for some of fans as well, hopefully we take it back to the Rico Arena because mm. if we're in the same division, could be in the championship. It's a good away day either way. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, just looking at the game and certain players maybe for Sunday, I'm, this might be a bit biased on my part. Um, I just, I'm very curious about um, Callum O'Hare plays oh. for Coventry uh, I don't know if it's because there could be a chance in the future he might play for Ireland I don't know but obviously yeah. he's four goals six assists a bit of a Jack, Jack Grealish kind of lookalike and he's kind of the <laughs> same style of player <laughs> um, how do you think he, he'll fare Sunday he's been a good player for Coventry this year and do you think he'll probably end up back in Aston Villa next year or is he's on loan isn't he he's, yeah he's on loan from Villa you're right There's a, there are a yeah. lot of similarities between him and, and Grealish he's He's let's be quite clear, not got the quality that, that Jack Grealish has. He is not <laughs> as good, but you're right. Uh, a lot of similarities come through at Villa. No doubt looks up to Grealish, who's probably three years older than him. I reckon. Um, he's Same also, hair. yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, he's also, uh, you know, he, he was on loan at Carlisle last season in League Two, and and he was in what was quite a poor team. Clearly, just technically too too good, too skillful. Um, he's not the biggest um, and he's not necessarily lightning quick, but he's got that sort of low center of gravity. That means he can he can really sort of nip between two defenders. He's, he's really good dribbler. Um, I think in the final third, like a lot of players at League One level and a lot of young players as well, doesn't always write, make the right decisions. Um, he's not necessarily got like a pure goal scorer's instinct, but he's certainly a, a big player for them. He's He's sort of, you know, when I was looking at this fixture, doing my research earlier today, strikes me that in in Gooch and Maguire, I think you guys have the two players on the pitch um, that probably provide the most X factor just as individuals and in what they're they're sort of allowed to do. I feel like the system you guys play is uh, is, is they, they are allowed to, you know, to try and provide that X factor. They can do something a bit extra special and, and it's kind of set up for them to do that. Coventry probably more, I would say, stronger as a as a unit and more. I think what stands out for them is how well they all play as a team, especially in midfield. The way that they pass and move is really impressive. Uh, I suppose for them, O'Hare is that one standout guy with the with the bit of X factor who can maybe beat two players and and then uh, play in a teammate or go himself. Um, but you know, like a lot of players, as I said at the level, he's not doing it. You know, all through the game, he, he's he's the sort of guy who might drift out of the game for a while if 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 your lot can defend him well and put in some good tackles on him early, then he might drift out of the game. But he's a player that you've absolutely got to keep an eye on for, for all the reasons that, that you yourself said. Um, I just, uh, it's interesting you say that about Maguire and Gooch because I definitely read that as something we've noticed when those lads aren't playing well. Uh, Sutherland Henry don't tend to play quite well, even last night. I actually didn't see much of the game, but I just read afterwards that Maguire and Gooch weren't exactly on fire. Yeah. Um, but um, 
was just on top of that now any other players you for Sunderland fans they should be looking out for uh for Sunday's game. Obviously company Gordon in front has been has been decent enough this season. Do you agree? Yeah. Yeah, 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 absolutely. I think um it's interesting. I was looking at some of the um some of the sort of deeper stats just beyond like goals and stuff like that. Yeah. And yeah. um it suggests that the Godden and Wyke, uh, who are both, you know, the number nines for their respective teams who play similar ish formations but have a diff you know, different styles, that they actually do get about the same amount of chances created for them. Um Godden's finishing ability to me anyway and it's backed up by then stats this season is better than Wykes I'd say he's more of a natural yeah. goal scorer more of a natural finisher um I don't think that he's got necessarily the well he definitely doesn't have the presence of Wyke he doesn't occupy defenders physically in the same way and he's not up for the same amount of um I guess sort of target man play that Wyke does so that you know there are other strengths to Wyke's game but just in terms of that finishing I, I would back Godin to score you know if him and Wyke had three of the same chances in the game, Godden to score two of them, maybe Wyke to score one of them. Um, so that that could be an interesting one because I do think it'll be a tight game. And, and sometimes those games come down to, you know, you might both have two good chances in the game. Who, who finishes them? Uh, in terms of, they've got a few interesting players. Um, and I think in recent weeks, they, they're the right wing back uh, who's called Darbo. He was a Chelsea kid um, who's, like a lot of them, had a few loans and then was released. Coventry picked him up. Um, I think he's 23-odd, and he's uh, 24 years. He's done really well down the right-hand side for them. They, they are very focused on playing through the middle. They play this bizarre sort of box midfield shape where they've got essentially four central midfield players, two of them sort of deeper, trying to play passes through to O'Hare and, and normally Allen or, or Westbrook or Shipley. And then those guys are sort of, they themselves are then trying to either get shots off from the edge of the box or try and play through balls to Godden. If Sunderland, and I think they can do this, if they defend cleverly enough with enough structure in the centre of the pitch, that's when Coventry will finally look out wide. Um, and McCallum and Darbo, they do get forward well. Their delivery in recent weeks has been good. Like a lot of fullbacks at this level, you know, none of these guys are delivering absolute quality every time, but they've got enough quality that um, they can put some good crosses into the box. So I think from a Sunderland perspective, you, you, you're probably, that's kind of the best case scenario. You'd feel comfortable given Godden is is good, but not amazing in the air. That well, if, if Coventry are resorting to crosses, you're probably quite happy with that and you'd probably back the centre-backs to, to to clear most of those. But the, I think the the real, the guy in their team who I think will, will play at the highest level, um, there's two really. One is Walsh in midfield. Uh, sort of deep line playmaker. He's on loan from Bristol City. He's another one, really small, and that might hold him back a little bit. But yeah. the quality that he has on the ball, um, the way that the, the the accuracy of his passing, the range of his passing, um, he just seems to have gone up an extra gear in the last few months. And he's he is, I, I'd say, he's probably a, a more even more quality than O'Hare on the ball, um, playing a bit deeper. And then Rose, the centre back, he's he's a Scottish uh, centre back. They got him in the summer. I imagine Jack Ross would have definitely been keen on him because he's quite highly he's rated. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, quite highly rated in Scotland and been brilliant as part of this back three of Coventry um, since he's come in. So uh, I, I think their their back three compared to your back three, um, probably well, definitely more comfortable on the ball. Definitely mm -hmm. more, you know, it's part of their play that they they have to play a lot of passes, a lot of 
you know, try and try and pass forward, try and break the lines on the floor, try and get the ball into those um, midfield players. And, you know, that means there could be opportunities for Sunderland to, to win the ball back, to intercept a pass, Maguire or someone in the final third and, and look to get a chance in transition like that. Uh, whereas I think your centre-backs, I would say, I, I would I'd be more concerned about them playing too much of uh, sort of short passing from the back. Sure. <laughs> That's every, you, know, you won't like the likes of Oz Torque and centre-half there to try to start playing balls out from the back. <laughs> not, too, not too often. No. no. Yeah. <laughs> But that's actually, as you say, that about passing like centre halves who good on the ball. I think that was ba- Bailey Wright getting injured was a massive loss for Sunderland there because he was yeah. just starting to find his speed at the back and he's probably probably becoming quickly our our, our best centre half. Yeah. Um, just, just interesting you say about Charlie White as well because he's someone he's he's kind of I don't know mixed mixed opinions in, in Sunderland on him at the moment. Um, what do you think of him overall as a striker, League One level? Like, for, I, th- I just think for a team of Sunderland's. I know they're in league one, but stature, like, I just don't think he's up to it. Lafferty on the bench as well. He's probably chomping at the bit to get a start as well. Would you, uh, would you be in favour of Lafferty maybe getting a, getting a look in or? I, I wouldn't. I must admit, no. I'm not a big uh, Lafferty fan. Uh, I, yeah. I know he's only had a few opportunities uh, so far, and, and not, not too many. Uh, I haven't, and you will have seen more than me, but I haven't seen it in the glimpses I've seen anything to suggest that he's like you know at the top of his game at the moment um i think the last few years haven't been that kind to him um mm. he's obviously because because he's had spells in his career where he has performed at a higher level i think you're always you're always so aware of that and you and you think well if we can just get him back to that level if he can have a couple of games back at that level but you know frankly quite a lot of those guys that they, they they don't recreate form from earlier in their career Someone like Ledbetter is another good example of that, and sure. it's it is difficult yeah. for them. So for me, I, I wasn't. It wasn't that I was against the signing of Lafferty, but it it didn't strike me necessarily as the most creative use of of uh, I don't know what his wage would be, but I expect it to be oh, decent because yeah. he's he's played abroad and stuff like that. So I, I mean, I, I agree with you. I don't think Wyke is like some amazing League One striker. Um, if you look across the league, there aren't that many particularly good number nines in the league this season. Um, you know. Uh, apart from Tony at Peterborough, there's no one that's properly prolific. Um, and someone like Nondrier at Blackpool, he's kind of having a season of his life. But I guarantee you, if he was to play up top for Sunderland, you, you know, all the good stuff that you might see on the highlights that he does for Blackpool, he's the type of player that if he plays for your team, you're going to get really frustrated with him as well because, you know, he's a target man type. He's tall. He has scored a lot of head of goals this season. But it, it, I don't know. It, it's... It's a tough one. Put it that way. Obviously, yeah. when you had when you had Madger last season, you had a guy who yeah. you had a guy who was scoring, you know, practically every other shot, and that it, that's kind of like lightning in a bottle. Um, it, it's 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 so hard to get. Um, I, I I don't back White to bang in the goals. To be quite honest with you, so it does mean that Gooch and Maguire have a lot more work to do. It doesn't look to me like you've got a lot more goals from midfield. You're not particularly good from set pieces not bad but I don't think you score as many goals as like a Rotherham or someone like that so you know it does put more pressure on the striker um and as and as I said earlier his stats don't stack up that well to someone like Godden no I think I think maybe we're some fans are probably guilty a bit too much of comparing them to Magic but obviously they're just completely different players mm. in completely different levels as well yeah. I suppose folks on the Sunderland just interested to hear your opinions 
obviously it's been a bit of a, a strange season really obviously starting <laughs> off with Jack Ross <laughs> um, yeah. between that and the, the, the situation with Stuart Donald the owner mm. uh, what, what have you taught us Sunderland so far this season or what do you think what do you think like of the whole Jack Ross situation and how it's turned out with Parky yeah um, it has been a strange season hasn't it um, yeah. always strange yeah, yeah. I think from our perspective, covering the leagues each week, and obviously not specifically Sunderland every time, but they're a team that we've talked about a lot. We we definitely felt, even after the playoff final last year, that you know it, it's 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 never as black and white as someone is doing a rubbish job or someone's doing an amazing job. Generally, things fall kind of in between. Um, I think I think from what we saw, there was a lot of credit being given, rightly so. To the to the job that he had done, Jack Ross, given the situation that he walked into, right, um, mm. in the in the summer of 2018. So that was always like that. Definitely raised his credit, I think. But I have to admit, like it was hard to watch that team. Uh, it, yeah. it always felt like, um, you know, off the field problems. They do have a big impact, and it was difficult for him. Um, but it always felt like whether or not. There might have been a problem with some of the players' motivations personally, which I imagine is quite a tough job for a manager to turn around. It just felt like the team should look a lot better than than they looked last season. And of course, you know, you were you were very close to going up, so uh, that would have that would have clearly been an achievement. That would have been a success. But you know, it was it, it felt to us like you could be so much better going forward. Now, interestingly, obviously, since Parky's taken over. Well, there was the there was the beginning spell, which was absolutely miserable. Was certainly no better. Was probably worse than than um, than anything that Jack Ross served up. Um, so it is clear that that he's managed to put a structure in place defensively that that has stopped the team conceding goals, and that is going to take you an awfully long way. So uh, I know it's not necessarily the most free flowing attacking football. At times, it doesn't look. Uh, well, no, I was going to say it doesn't look that different to what Ross was serving up going forward, but I think it does a little bit. I've noticed, obviously, Willis joining the attack a bit more, yeah. just um, a, a, a little less reliance on 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 Ledbitter pinging it out left to McGeady and seeing if he could beat a man and get a shot off. Maguire's obviously thriving, and he's one of the best players in the league when he's when he's motivated, when he's fit, <laughs> and when there's a manager getting the best out of him. So that's what we're seeing at the moment. I think his form in the last two months or so, probably the, the best of anyone individually in the division, arguably, um, up there with someone like Ivan Tony. So... Um, some improvements going forward. It's still not. It's still not the best, as you've alluded to there. And I do think if you catch Maguire on an off day, if you can show Gooch down the line instead of inside, and, and if you can stop him getting shots off, I don't think Sunderland are the greatest attacking team. But as I said earlier, I would say that about almost any team, even the top yeah. teams in League One. So maybe I've just got too high expectations <laughs> for what I expect from a team going forward. Right, I think that's definitely you're right. You hit the nail on the head. There it was definitely one criticism of Jack Ross last year was that there was clearly no obvious style of football. Um, mm. in comparison to Parky, you can at least you can see what he's trying to do. As you said, with Willis and the likes of the fullbacks, uh, bombing forward. Last year, Ross yeah. was expecting McGeady to get something out of nothing, and sure, most of the weeks was ending in one-one draws as well, which we got fairly used yeah. to last year. <laughs> yeah, and 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 it's not a hugely different group of players. I know there's a few different names from last season, but obviously Jack Ross had more or less the same group at the beginning of the season. You you didn't do much January business, did you? And and the ones no. that you did bring in, apart from Bailey Wright, as far as I can think, ha, really you know that they aren't. Him. 
it's kind of the same core. So you can see in the way that when you see Denver Hume taking people on, and he he's someone attacking wise that actually stands out in the in the underlying numbers. The way that he's able to carry the ball forward, dribbling basically down the left hand side, it actually helps you guys to get the ball up the pitch. Where last season either he wasn't playing or he didn't, or he he had the instructions that he wasn't able to do that quite so much. Oh nine is kind of the same on the other side. They don't necessarily have the same style, but oh nine. By hook or by crook, he drives the team forward. Like he's got quality on the ball, he's got amazing energy, and it feels like those guys being unleashed a little bit more has just sort of lifted the whole team in attack a little bit. It takes a little bit of pressure off Maguire and Gooch, of course, and um, yeah, and and seeing stuff like Willis join the attack, it's just I th- I think from our perspective. It felt like Sunderland played, I mean, with the shackles on, almost as an understatement. Like, I couldn't believe how unambitious um, they were. you guys were uh, in possession of the ball last season and the start of this season. So, um, as I said, it's not exactly Brazil 1970, but (laughs) there are certain things that you see. There are certain players who are playing in a different way and thriving and helping the team be a bit better. Um, And then, of course, improved defensively, clearly. Like, the clean sheet record in the last 10 games is is the best in the league, I think. That's going to, you know, they, they normally say, uh, what is it, attack wins games and defence wins championships, wins, wins yeah. titles. So you can be pretty confident that if, you, if you're going to keep the same level or, or almost the same level of clean sheets over the next 10, 12 games, that you're certainly going to be right up there. Oh, I agree. And it's certainly an improvement anyway. But I suppose as a neutral, um, 10 to 12 games to go near the end of the season. What are you thinking? Coventry and so don't ask me, <laughs> <laughs> um, mate. It's so crazy, and you know yeah. we cover the other the other leagues, the Championship and League Two as well. Um, the Championship at the moment is below the top two, who look like they've probably got their got their act together. Um, yeah. It's so difficult, and one of the things that we find difficult is, and we we don't really mean to be critical, but obviously we are looking at these teams, every team really as a neutral, and it's always kind of easy to see where the flaws are and and when you and when you know a team's flaws it can be hard to like truly nail your colors to the mast and say they're going to do it so i mean sometimes it sounds a bit unambitious or unimaginative but rotherham and and coventry have got the the points on the board at the moment and given how little i i think there is between the top six seven eight teams like that is that does make quite a big difference um i think this this weekend is going to be huge. If you guys can win against Coventry on on Sunday, uh, I honestly think the, I guess the the change in atmosphere around the place, the performance of the team, and uh, you know the fixtures that you have left, you'll be level on points with them, albeit having played a game more. And um, I I wouldn't be surprised to see you guys finish above Coventry. If you lose though, there'll be six points between you, and they'll have a game in hand. So I would find it very difficult at that stage to say. Sunderland will finish above commentary because that's quite a big gap when, when teams are picking up so many points. Um, pretty much the only thing I'm confident about is that Wickham probably won't finish third where they are now. Uh, and I say it with great respect and uh, for the job that they've done this season, which has been incredible. Um, and their form has been fine in the last few weeks. But I mean, even down to, to Oxford in eights, uh, Fleetwood on a good run at the moment. Peterborough and Pompey are still below you. I, I like all of these teams. Like it feels like they should expand the. It feels like they should expand the playoffs to like six teams this year, like they do in the National League, just so that everyone can have a shot. Because you know, one or two teams are going to miss out who will feel quite hard done by. Um, but I'm feeling pretty good about 
about Sunderland. Um, I know you've got a lot of away games coming up. I know that you haven't scored many goals away from home. So, you know, in a month's time, you'll have played four away games out of five. Uh, an awkward home game against Chillingham. Now, obviously, the away games against Bristol Rovers, Blackpool and South End, you know, the, these are teams that you could expect to to pick up points against. But, you, you know, I'm less confident about you guys away from home than I am at home. So I, I guess in a month's time, depending on what happens this weekend, you could well be in the top two and looking very pretty. But yeah. I wouldn't be surprised to see you in, in the same sort of position heading into the playoffs. Don't tell me that playoffs again, no. <laughs> oh, I know, mate. I mean, um, we get nervous watching them, even though we don't, even though we're <laughs> neutrals. Like, we were at all the playoff finals at Wembley last year, and it was crazy. Like, you cover all the teams all year round, you make a lot of predictions, you make a lot of mistakes, and then it all comes down to one game. And I mean, yeah, you, you know, when, when the goals go in, you realize that nine months is all boiled down to, to one goal. And it's, it's hard to like, I don't know if it's something to do with my character, but my my like first reaction is always, oh my god, that must be so rubbish for the team that's conceded. Like I don't sort of, I normally go for the sympathy before I go for the excitement. So yeah, yeah it's uh, just, it's it's a it's a it's a it's a crazy weekend playoff final weekend. Uh, I, I was there at the Charlton one last year, and I was with a few lads, and we obviously was at Charlton's goal was in like the ninety fourth minute. I said, right, yeah. let's see if the let's see if the pub's open for extra time, and we're walking down the steps, and Charlton score, and we're like, oh, for fuck's sake, yeah, <laughs> so let's yeah, get out of here as quick as possible. Oh, it's good, yeah. yeah, horrible. And then there's just that. There's just the whole the whole season. Whatever's happening, whatever's happened, doesn't matter. However, yeah. however disillusioned you are with how things are going, or however confident you are that you know the team's finally putting it together, there's always time to go, and there's always like. You're kind of projecting. Well, we might do this and this and this, um, and if we do this, maybe we'll get better. If we do this, we might drop out. And it's all you, you're all thinking ahead, and then that's just so final. It's just so final yeah. the, the, the playoffs that you suddenly realise that's it. That's the end of the season. Well, I suppose that's the beauty of the football league as well, isn't it? That's why we love it. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Well, I won't keep you any much longer, Ali. But before we go, I always ask for a, a score prediction. What What are you thinking for Sunday? I'm gonna sit on the fence, which I'm very good at. I'm gonna say one-one as oh, a score no. Our favourite um, results. I think, yeah, I think that. <laughs> oh yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, that really yeah. is. Um, <laughs> I think that I, you know because I'm sitting on the fence a bit. I'm gonna go as far as to say I think Coventry will score first, uh, mm. and I think it'll just be like one. It'll just be one really good attacking move, maybe one good cross, and Godden will score. And then I think uh, as often happens at this level when a team goes ahead the sort of psychology of the game flips and suddenly the team that's behind will put together a bit of pressure I'm because uh, we're big fans of, of King Chris Maguire I'm going to predict a, <laughs> a late a late-ish equaliser not necessarily injury time like midweek but a late a late equaliser from Mags yeah I probably agree to be honest I, I hate saying it but I think it'll be a one-all as well mm-hmm. I think it's going to be a really really tough away day but you know it's, if we got the win last night against Fleetwood I would have been happier with the draw but I think after drawing last night, we probably need to win if we want to get to the automatics. But it's, yeah, it's probably going to be one all. The thing <laughs> is, there is just, I know it doesn't feel like it, but there's still whatever it is, 10, 11, 12 games to go. True. And yeah. you never know. You genuinely don't know. If you rattle off five wins after this one, even if you lose this one, you'd be surprised where that would put you. It's true. There's always another chance, isn't there? <laughs> yeah. 
Ali, that was great. Thanks so much for that. Great job. No, I really enjoyed it. Thanks, man. Cheers, Cheers for mate. the Thanks. chat Appreciate and uh, have a good evening. That was uh, Michael Dunn there talking to Ali Maxwell. It is time, though, now for everyone's favourite part of the Exiles pod. It is playing away. Now, I won't go through. We all know the rules. I won't go through them. Uh, but I have picked the game. Um, and this one included a very late goal itself, uh, purely by chance. It was from the season 2006-2007. Uh, um, it was the 24th of February, 2007. Sunderland 2 Derby County 1. So we are wearing our Lonsdale kits uh, with Reg Vardy sponsor. Roy Keane, who we spoke about earlier, is manager. Chris, I'll let you go first. Right, okay. Um, oh, so this was Roy Keane winning the title. Um, yep, so the championship winning season. Uh, Sunderland 2, Derby County 1. All right. Um, um, Johnny Evans Johnny Evans is playing Niall you are up next and obviously I'm not doing the um, 15 second duck so Niall what are you thinking oh sorry I've been talking away I had my microphone off <laughs> yeah uh, I was at this game and Liam Miller scored the winner and I'm pretty sure he started so Liam Miller Liam Miller scored the winner last minute. John, your turn. Oh, um, I'm really struggling with this one because I get all of these seasons mixed into one a little bit in my head because I've got a crap memory. I'm going to have a punt at a weird one because for some reason I've got it in my head as against Derby. Um, he played well or maybe scored at some point in that era. Um, Anthony Stokes? Anthony Stokes was not playing, but he did oh. score again. I think it might have been the season after. Oh, he, yeah, after. He, he scored, he scored over minute. a kick on the goal line, wasn't it? Was it softball uh, backwards. Do I not get a point for at least thinking of the wrong season? No. I, I think <laughs> that game, that game's been on playing away this season. I'm sure that that the one after has been on playing away, I'm sure. That's I've probably why I know. Uh, yeah. So I've lost a life, yeah. You've lost a life, awesome. I'm afraid. First chance, yeah, brilliant. Chris, you're up. Right. Um, I'm just purely going through, because he, he bought pretty much every player, didn't he? <laughs> he was playing most of that season. Um, Carlos, Carlos Edwards. Carlos Edwards is playing. He's there. Niall, you're next to go. Uh, yeah. Um, David Connolly. I think he, he played because he scored the penalty. David Connolly. That's right. David Connolly scored yeah. a penalty. John, you need to get this or you're out straight away. Uh, right. If David Connolly scored, if I remember rightly, Dwight York was playing. Dwight York was playing. Get in. You're still in. Chris. Ooh. Um... Dwight York and Sank. It's one of the signings I had. Uh, who else did he buy? We've had Dwight York, Johnny Evans, Carlos Edwards, Liam Miller, and David Connolly so far. Right. Um, I honestly couldn't tell you it was in goal. I'm trying to think who would have been at the back of Johnny Evans. Um, Nyron, he played a lot then. He did, and he was playing that day. Not worthy well at the back. No, who have you got? Oh, that's just thrown me a bit. 
because I was going to say, I was going to say another centre half who I was sure I played that day, unless he played out of position. Because you've said you've said Evans, haven't you? So yeah. now running Evans, unless he was playing a fullback. I'm going to go for because I'm pretty sure he played Danny Collins. Your mate Danny Collins, he's playing. Yeah, he must have been a fullback then. There was a bit there, but yeah. Okay. So cool. John. It's actually getting very difficult now. Um, I'm going to uh, make a goalkeeper claim. Uh, Darren Ward? He was. Well done. I always oh, remember Darren Ward shot. playing with David Connolly together. I don't know why. I really don't know why, but I do. So we've got three left of the first 11. Uh, Chris, that's you. That keeper's a great shout, John. I wouldn't have had a clue who was in goal. <sighs> Trying to think who played that team. Oh, did he sign? So you've got Darren Ward, Danny Collins, Dwight York, Nyron Nosworthy, Johnny Evans, Carlos Edwards, Liam Miller, David Connolly. You've got three <sighs> left to go. Daryl Murphy. Daryl Murphy was on the bench, so you don't oh. lose a life. No. Uh, Niall. Um. I don't know if it would have been a bit early. Uh, Ledbetter? Ledbetter was also on the bench. Oh. John? Um, uh, I've got two. One's risky, so I'm going to go with less risky and say uh, Stern John. Well done. Stern John's there. Get in. You've got two left. Uh, so you've got... Um, no, I'm not, I won't give you any clues just yet, Chris. It's, uh, it's your go, though. Chris and I'll still both got two lives to go. John's got one life to go. Really struggling. Well, you can pass if you want to uh, move it on. Um, <laughs> really struggling. Um, Dean Whitehead. Dean Whitehead isn't there. You have lost a life. No, I kind of believe that that was going to be my next answer. That's, thanks, thanks, Chris. Me, <laughs> um, uh, I'm gonna. I, this is a shot in the dark. He, he was definitely there this season. I don't know if, if he would have played. He probably, in fact, probably would have done. Um, Tobias Heisen. Tobias Heisen. He's me to say he played. He's in there. So, he started. Definitely googling. Definitely googling. Well, I'm not. I think if anyone's googling, it's you who was struggling, struggling before, and now you're pulling out names like Stern John. <laughs> yeah, if you think about it, <laughs> uh, the necessity. Well, the game is other people give you hints by having their answers right. <laughs> so I was getting them because other people were getting them right. Oh, whatever. Uh, whatever. Tobias Heisen, man, as if, as if you haven't googled that. I haven't Googled Tobias Heisen was class. I remember Tobias Heisen, left footer. I do, but I would never have picked him for Scored that a great goal against Leicester, inside the right foot. Bush. Right, Brett, what's Sorry, the team it wasn't, so it was left far? Foot. <laughs> <laughs> so I was just like, literally, I was letting you two talk for a bit and then I come back in. So you've got Darren Ward, Danny Collins, uh, Dwight York, Nyron Nosworthy, Johnny Evans, Carlos Edwards, Liam Miller, Stern John, David Connolly. Oh, I've got the- one. The ungoogled Tobias Heisen. So I've got one. I've got we, one. What are we missing players-wise? You, midfield. You're, you're missing a defender. 
defender. Oh, no, I haven't got one then. Um, around that time. So, Nosworthy was right back and Collins was left back, or are we missing a right back? Uh, Gonna have to start uh, rushing you, gentlemen. Uh, oh, I've got it. I've got it. I've got it. I'm going to take a punt at. Um, no, I can't. I'm not. I've got nothing. I've got nothing. You gone? Yeah. John, John, John's gone. I'll let Niall Google it. Chris, <laughs> please, please no, get this right, Chris. Yeah, I think. Well, I've I've got a name because Nosworthy was centre half all season with with Evans pretty much, and he was, and I'm fairly certain it was another signing, and it was Danny Simpson. He's got it, Danny Simpson at right back. So well done. So we got them all. So Ward, Simpson, Collins, York, Nosworthy, Evans, Edwards, Miller, John Conley, Hyson. It was a team that beat Derby County two <laughs> one. Do you know who well, I was going to say there? I was going to say Lewin Tanga. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure it was from Derby because it was in a it was in a swap deal um, with oh who was the swap deal? I can't remember. But we, we, we swapped them for someone. If you can't remember, mate, you can always Google it. <laughs> Unlike you, Stern John, I can't remember these because uh, I always get these seasons mixed up. My memory's got oh it's Stern John, Stern John, aye, that's it. Aye. I do get them mixed up. Aye, I remember yeah, Stern man. John. Devin give us, your shite man. Honestly, <laughs> <laughs> full of rubbish. Here you go. So mo- moving on from playing away, well done to uh Chris and Noel both uh, getting points there. Um, we have had um, one of the branches get in touch. This one is the Sons of Liberty, the Sunderland AFC Supporters Group USA. So that they're in like the Florida, Miami sort of areas. Um, and they did send us a flyer over. Um, they have got one hell of a weekend lined up. If you're in sort of like Fort Lauderdale um, on March, between March 13th and 15th, um, Get in touch with the guys because the, what they sent over to us, I actually thought it was a fly of like band names on or something, but it turns out it's actually a um, just list of pubs they're visiting. Um, and I'll read this out for you guys because I think it's, it's like these lads have got a good weekend plan. So Friday, March the 13th, they're meeting at 12 p.m. in McSorley's for the early arrivals. 4 p.m. they're off to Waxy O'Connor's. 8 p.m. they're off to the Tap 42. 10 p.m. the Wharf. So that's Friday sorted. Saturday, 10 a.m., back to Waxy O'Connell's. 10.30 a.m., committee meeting. They are doing a little bit of business, half an hour's worth, um, because then at 11 a.m., it is Blackpool v. Sunderland Live. Um, 1 p.m., they're travelling off to the Lockhart Stadium. Uh, so we've got 2.30 is to watch Inter, <laughs> Inter Miami versus LA Galaxy. Then 5 p.m., back to the Elbow Room, uh, cash bar only. 6.45 Blondies, 8.45 Rock Bar, 10.15 McSorley's, 12am Parrot Bar. Sunday, 12pm Wax O'Connors to watch Spurs and Man United, Everton, Liverpool. 6pm Ruby Murray's. Them boys have got it sorted. <laughs> That's all right. Let's Golf go. Club golf, that, isn't it? What a weekend go. they've got. Let's <laughs> go. I'm in. I'm in. I, literally, I looked at that and just thought like they were like bands or something playing. I'd never so, get yeah, the, permission um, to do that, mate. Yeah, so, so the next Exiles uh, road trip, we're going to go to uh, Fort Lauderdale. Yeah, we get get permission slip signed and uh, we're off. Yeah, I just I just come back to the divorce papers, it'd be fine. John has to so, get a permission slip signed to get a haircut, man. That's very true, actually, to be fair. But at least <laughs> I've been going to America. <laughs> Before we go, though, there was a big heated debate in our WhatsApp group. Um, and it was basically Niall and John discussing the merits <laughs> of John McLaughlin. 
<laughs> he's such an he's honestly John what's he talking about though? like really I don't know what it's, he's on about to be fair what, <laughs> what are you I, talking I really about Fred I know I, really I don't know Fred I've heard this he has revered what no what? yeah uh, so no so like really on a serious note yeah uh, John thinks that uh, in fact I'll actually quote him John says that John McLaughlin is stealing a living that's that's what John <laughs> said today. So uh, yeah, uh, that that was that was the debate. Um, John, what what? I mean, you you can probably start if you want. I mean, come on. <laughs> I don't. First of all, I don't think I'm alone in this. I definitely think there's more than just me that thinks that. I think you're overrated. alone. Yeah, you're alone right now, John. <laughs> you're massively alone. People. I know people. <laughs> I I know broker report people who agree with what I'm saying. You didn't. You took. You took umbrage. You took umbrage to the fact that I said he's stealing a living because you've got this big thing about oh, you know, they're professional footballers, they're top lads, and all this. He he means well, and you're really positive about like uh, the way they feel about them being humans and having a job. It was a turn of phrase. I meant he was stealing a living with regards to like the fact that. He's overrated. He's probably being paid one of the highest wages in the club. And we've got a perfectly adequate, if not better, sub-goalie. Uh, sub and he's 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 shown in the limited time he's had that he's got the attributes that John McLaughlin hasn't got. So What are those attributes? What are the attributes he hasn't got? Well, he can catch a cross. He can kick a ball. The, the simple well, things John that McLaughlin keepers can, can catch do. a cross. I watch him catch crosses every week. Every week when have you seen him catch a cross? He catches those yesterday. You've never seen him catch a cross? He catches crosses all the time. The only time he catches a cross is when there's literally like knee one within a 10-yard radius of him. It's like he's got... So so he catches a cross then? So he catches a cross then? Yeah, so he catches a cross. Yeah, yeah. When it's never, 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 yeah. well, you know what no, I mean I, when I'm saying that under pressure, cross. It's what normally happens. You know what I mean. You're being pedantic because you've lost an all argument. Right, clearly, all right. How many? How, how many times <laughs> has he fumbled the ball and, and it's ended up no goal from across? Several this season. Several. Yeah, it's one or two at least. I've seen it happen. I, I've got to admit, no. Yeah, he had a shocking start of the season. <laughs> yeah, Brett's gone on live. He's gone on video. Brett, stop taking that shit. Brett's taking. He's stripping. It's obviously that time of night. I'm just. Just chilling. <laughs> no, but on a on a serious note, yeah, right. I, I'll I'll be serious now. Yes, he is prone to the odd mistake, right? That is totally true. How many times has he saved us? How many times has he made great, why, why has he saved great us? saves? Why, why has he saved us though? When he has when he has pulled them worldies out the bag, which I'm not disagreeing with you. Why was he saving us? Because we were shit at the back, right? And we were terrible. We were letting people run through. We've stopped. So how's that letting his people... No, no, no. I'm not saying it was. But we've stopped letting people run through. We're sol- more solid at the back, and he's making more mistakes. He's not alive. He's literally flat-footed on his line. He doesn't come and he doesn't move anywhere. The only time you ever see him move anywhere is when he has to because there's no one else around him. And that's not how a goalkeeper plays in the modern football. He literally plays football like he's a 50s, 60s goalkeeper. He, he, he literally stands still and all he does is hope that he's got to make a shot stop save. He's got to make a, uh, a flash save one-on-one or he's got to do uh, a dive to one side because that's all. it seems like all he does in training is stand there and literally some bloke just pings balls to him either side and that's all he can do. The fact that his kicking and his throwing and his interplay with other players is appalling when he's a 30, 31 year old man who's played goalkeeper for half of his life. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. You know, the thing is, yeah, yeah, I, I get what you're saying, right? But if you look at it, right, and I know it's back to at the level we're at, but 
There's not. I don't. I've, I've watched League One football now for a good few years. There's not many keepers better than him in that league. You see, Lee Burge. You're right. Lee Burge has had a limited time to show what what he is, but he's also had two managers who have decided that he's the second best goalkeeper we've got. So that's two managers, two pros who know exactly what they're talking about. And the goalkeeper and coach, they they'll have words in. They both decided that he is not our best goalkeeper who, because who neither of them went. Who was the other keeper at Coventry when Lee Burge was there? Uh, I'm not sure who it was. I'm not sure. Give it a Google, and you'll be you'll be marking my words. You'll know why we've got Lee Burge. All right, and who was it? I'm done. I'm googling it myself because I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> this is what I'm dealing with, man. This is what I'm dealing with. No, but with. I remember. I remember when we bought him. I remember thinking to myself, "Well, he's only coming to us because he's literally not getting a game because they had a decent keeper at the time." Um, so well, I'm gonna have a look. Right. So, so there you go. So then there's another keeper better than him. So that's well, two yeah, goalkeepers that, wrong with that, that are judged that? to be better than him, right? I don't and think he. Yeah, a judge, judged by judged by um, judged by the the two managers and the goalkeeping coaches of the football club. I'm sorry, you know, but you know, you know, there's a lot more to it than that, though, Niall. You're not you're not naive what, enough to what, know there's what, a lot more to it. People have what? Got, what are like, you seeing? There's more to it. Like, if people have got stuff built into the contract, if people are high earners, if people have got, like, sway in the dressing room, they often get played when they're not playing well. When well, evidently sport. not, evidently not. Who Why? had the biggest sway of the dressing room? Who had the biggest sway of the dressing room? I'll tell you who. He's not playing for Charlton because he got kicked on his arse. Uh, that's, that's, one player. that's one player. No, no, well, I'm telling you now, right? If if he, if he Phil Parkinson or whoever, if they didn't want to play him, they wouldn't play him. They wouldn't Phil play him, especially because I'll he's out of contact. I'll tell you why Phil summer. Parkinson's playing him. I'll tell you why Phil Parkinson's playing him. Because he's back. Keep back. He, no, Phil Parkinson thinks that when he swapped it around and was chopping and changing, or when Ross was chopping and changing for the cups and things like that, it broke the it broke the sort of rhythm of the back four, back five, back six, whatever you want to call it, right? And he saw that basically, if that's going to happen and we're on a run of form, it, this is the same with the forward line. If you look at the forward line, he saw that if someone's out of form, you've got to keep it the same for stability and consistency for those that are around you who are playing well. You look at the games where Maguire disappears and then next game he's brilliant and he's played the whole 90 minutes. Same with Gooch. You know, what he's what he's doing, the reason he's keeping this 11 the same every week is for that reason. And I rate him for him. I, I think it's a positive. I'm not saying drop McLaughlin for no reason right now. All, I've, all I was debating with you earlier is, like, you, no one can laud John McLaughlin as being as good as people are making him out to be when he's he's got clear deficiencies that could drop us in the shit at any given moment. And not only drop us in the shit, but last season, towards the end of last season, he was one of the main players responsible for why we didn't get promoted. It was him. It wasn't it wasn't the defence around him. It was him. He lost the plot. He was making loads of mistakes towards the end of last season. And at the same time, he was pulling worldies out. So everybody was just saying, oh, he's one of the best keepers in the world. It's like, it's not it's not good enough. Like, we yeah, don't but find me, find we don't you need know him what to be making these wasn't, saves. If he wasn't anymore. making, yeah, but if he wasn't making, you know, if if he wasn't making these these mistakes one in every eight games or one in every ten games, whatever it is, right? If he wasn't making these mistakes, he wouldn't be playing in League One. He'd be in the Championship. He'd be in the Premier League. And to be fair, Championship teams were sniffing around him in the summer. You know, you had Millwall and stuff looking after him. Like, I'm I'm sorry. Why but, didn't he get a move? Why didn't he get a move? Well, I don't. I don't know why. Probably watched him through. not fucking grabbing any crosses. Well, no. Yeah, but the thing is, though, it's to go and blast Jerry's contract. Well, yeah, yeah. But being being a pedant about it, you know, there may be sore flaws in him as well. You don't know this. You don't. You know, we're but, still straws here. I'm sorry, but Lee Burge, right? Is don't get us wrong. That he's only played, I think, five or six appearances this season, and in the games I've seen him play, he's not been 
better than McLaughlin, always than McLaughlin. So we should count ourselves lucky that we've got two good goalkeepers. But then again, when he played against Burnley the start of the season, I mean, I know you put it down in nerves, but you know he did make he did make a clamour for their goal. So everybody's successful. Everybody is. Everybody, everybody is. Can everybody make is. A mistake. And I've been there. I get you. I get you. I get you. But for me, it's not about. For me, it's not about solely the making the errors that lead to goals. It's about it's about the consistent deficiencies and in, in attributes that can lead to mistakes and goals like so Lee, the Lee Burge mistake against Burnley right that's a mistake that's a flaw that happened in that moment it's not a flaw that would happen every single time if that play was replayed 100 times over and again that same move whereas a team like Portsmouth swinging in tons of decent crosses with Ronan Curtis and all them it can put a decent cross in over and over and over again and he's flapping or nowhere near them and relying on his defence to head it out one of the reasons we went to fucking back three was because he's shit coming across from corners and stuff like that. We need more people to get rid of them. Like, he is literally a 3-0, 4-0, like, drubbing waiting to happen if people know how to play against him. And some of the teams are doing that. That You know, and, and the only reason we're not being exposed is because they've shored it up at the back. Parky shored it up at the back with a three at the back. And and that's fine. Yeah. This, 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 we're not debating that we're... We're going to lose the the season because of John McLaughlin. I hope not. I genuinely hope not. I think he's 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 less. People are relying less on him. He's less under pressure, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. I just the big debate that Brett so warmly brought in is more about the fact that I just don't rate him as highly as other people, and I don't understand why people can't see the simple, basic um, faults with his with his actual goalkeeping skills, not just mistakes. The faults with the skills that are huge in this day and age. That actually, despite you saying you can't find better goalkeepers, I could find you 10, 15 better goalkeepers in League One and League Two at the things that he's poor at. And that's not saying that they're better keepers because he's a fantastic shot stopper. I've never said he wasn't. And he's got other great, great things about being a goalkeeper. But the things that I'm talking about and the things that bring him down from being a better goalkeeper and moving up the leagues are the reason he's in League One. But I still think we could do better than him in League One. John, if he was the, I'm sorry, but if he was the complete product of a goalkeeper, he'd be playing for Bayern Munich, man, or Real Madrid. He wouldn't be playing for something in League One. We don't need that. We don't need that. What do you mean you don't need that? You're, you're bleed, what you're saying is he's got this shot stopping brilliant, this brilliant, that brilliant, but this not good, that not good. All right, so why don't we get one that's brilliant at all these things? Where are we going to go? Ah, nah, Neuer. I hear Neuer you wants to come to Sunderland. Neuer loves Sunderland. <laughs> Apparently, he really wants a night out in Sunderland, Neuer. Like, I've heard that, you know, he, he really wants to play for us. You know what I mean? Like, come on. What, what are you, Neuer, what are you getting at, man? Neuer's got a mistake What are you getting at, though, man? Come on. You, no, you know, I'm not League One. I'm We've got a good goalkeeper for League One. We've got two good goalkeepers. You're missing my point. What no, I want but, from a goal, what I want from a goalkeeper is not someone who's brilliant at one thing and terrible at a few other things. What I want is an average, like a goalkeeper who can put you on an even keel. And I saw that in Lee Burge. Like he has the basic abilities that you need in a League One goalkeeper, and he's a good shot stopper as well. So this is this is why I rate him higher than John McLaughlin. You know yeah. what I've seen of him is that. But that's fine. You know, I don't have a problem with you rating him higher, but that wasn't the argument. The <laughs> argument was that you said McLaughlin was stealing a living and he was oh, crap yeah. and rubbish and terrible. Arguably, that, he is. Arguably, he is. He shouldn't be. He shouldn't be. He shouldn't be on the money on. He shouldn't be playing for such a big club like he is. That's my opinion. I don't think. But he's. He but he's at the right level. He's always played that level. He's yeah, at the correct then, level. But then for then what is he it, But is he? Should he be at Sunderland? He should be at someone like Fleetwood or someone who's like always going to be at League One. <laughs> now you're being snobby, mate. Right. Well, <laughs> exactly I think what we're doing, lads. 
I think what we'll do, the fact that I've actually, while you've been talking, like left my phone and gone for a piss and come back. Um, I think we'll, <laughs> I think we will leave it there. Um, so again, John, <laughs> Niall, Chris, thank you very much for your time this afternoon or this evening. Um, you've been listening you to the Broker Port Exiles. Um, yeah, see you soon. Take it easy. Love you lots. Bye. Fuck it out. That would have forever. <laughs> John's left. Oh, he's left. He said, "What a TV straight out." <laughs> Here's a cool fact: a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact: you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program.